Today I want to talk with you about loneliness, about how to have victory over loneliness. It is a silent epidemic for many people, as has been stated. There was a recent article by the National Institutes of Health that reported that COVID-19 has resulted in a high cost to our mental health. And many people, because of the isolation and the social distancing, uh, are struggling with this whole matter of loneliness and its effects uh, physically and psychologically. There are mental repercussions, the article talked about. Both loneliness and social I- isolation, the article said, have been uh, and are associated with an increased risk for coronary artery disease, all associated with uh, the isolation and the loneliness. And listen to this now. <clears throat> One of their solutions... One of their solutions was <laughs> stay connected. Well, duh. I mean, stay connected. We understand. By the way, it's one of the reasons the church exists is so that we can stay connected and interconnected. And while staying uh, connected is a no-brainer, and despite all the resources that we have today to keep us connected, many people are still lonely. And and that includes Christians. Christians aren't exempt from loneliness or feeling lonely or feeling alone. According to NPR, National Public Radio, there was a a report by Catherine Hobson that said it turns out that uh, the people who have reported spending the most time on social media, that is more than two hours a day, had twice the odds of feeling lonely and isolated than those who said they spent uh, a half hour or less. And it goes on to say in her report that people who visit social media platforms most frequently, that is 58 visits a week or more, had more than three times the odds of perceived social isolation and loneliness than those who visited fewer than nine times per week. Isn't that interesting? All of that connection All of that social media connection, and I'm not fussing about social media. We use it here. But all of that connection still, still doesn't resolve the issue. It may even compound what real connection is when it comes to isolation and loneliness. The fact is, now listen to this. You can be surrounded and connected to people and still be lonely. Do you get that? You can have people all around you. You can be connected to hundreds of people on social media and still be lonely. For many years, when young men have come to me for counsel as they began their pastoral work, I tell them a couple of things, all of them. I tell them, number one, God is with you, and God will be there. And then I tell them, but you need to prepare for a kind of loneliness that you've never experienced before. You're going to be surrounded by people. Aaron, I remember when you went to Pastor, and we had that conversation. And I don't know, a few months later, Aaron says to me, Pastor, you were right. The loneliness. You can have people all around you. Christians can have people all around them and yet be incredibly lonely. And then sometimes it's not just ministry, by the way. Sometimes it's just trying to be faithful and live for God. Do you know uh, in this world... There are going to be times when you say, I'm selling out to God. I hope you do, but you're going to find loneliness there because you're going to find that there are a lot of people who confess Christ that don't want to really follow Christ. 
and you're going to be alone in that. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the loneliness of the Christian results from their walk with God in an ungodly world, a walk that must take them away from, at times, even fellowship with others who confess Christ as well as an unregenerate world. His God-given instinct, that is the Christian's God-given instinct, cries out for companionship with others that are like-minded, with others who can understand his longings, with others that understand his aspirations, his absorption in the love of Christ. And because within his circle of friends, there are so few who share uh, his inner experiences, he is forced to walk alone. He's talking about Christians because of their desire to walk with God and feeling alone. Have you ever felt alone? You ever felt that you may be here today, you may be watching by live stream or television and say, I, I, I'm incredibly alone. And, um, and you feel that aloneness right now. I want to tell you some good news. You're not alone. You may feel alone, you may think you're alone, but you're not alone. In fact, the Bible is full of examples of stories of loneliness. For example, think about Elijah. Elijah was in the cave alone. He had just done some incredible work for God on Mount Carmel, and then he goes and he sits down in a cave. Listen to what he says. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, God. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And then he says, listen, and I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it. That's the words of a lonely man, isn't it? Or then there's Jeremiah, the prophet, referred to as the weeping prophet historically, and he was rejected by the people that he loved and tried to minister to. He says in Jeremiah 15, woe is me. And listen, and woe is the mother that gave me birth. A man of strife I am and contention to the whole land. Listen, he says, I have not lent nor have I borrowed, and yet all of them curse me. A lonely man. Paul, the apostle, at a crucial time in his life, talks about how alone he felt. He was deserted by a brother named Demas and others at a crucial time. This is what he writes to young Timothy, a pastor. He says, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. And he's gone to Thessalonica. And then he mentions Christians. He, he says, has left and gone to Galatia. And Titus has left and gone to Dalmatia. And then he adds this, this line. Listen to this. He says, and at my first, he was about to stand trial. And he says, and at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Paul is talking about his loneliness, the loneliness that he felt. And then, of course, the ultimate example was Jesus on the cross. You remember about the ninth hour, the scripture says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You think Jesus knows a little bit about loneliness? when he bore your sin and my sin on the cross. These are just some examples in the Scripture. So if you think I'm the only one that's felt so lonely, you're not alone. Great people of God. There's Esther. You remember Esther when she went in to the, the king? She went in alone. And do you remember what she said? And if I perish, I perish. The words of a woman says, what I've got to do, I have to do alone. 
loneliness. And then there is David. And the passage that I want you to look with me at this morning. Stand if you're physically able to do so. Psalm 142, a psalm of David. When he was in a cave, I'll tell you about that in just a moment. It says in verse 1, with with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. Remember that. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. By the way, look this way for a second. When he says, look to the right, you see there's no help for me. The right was a symbol, the right was a symbol of power and authority. And he said, if you look out to the right, he said, you don't see anybody to the right over there that are going to help me out. I'm on my own. That's what he's saying. And then he says, uh, there's no refuge to my right. He said, there, there, nobody cares for my soul. You ever felt that way? I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal with bountifully with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you, there are so many examples in your word and so many principles in your word about how to overcome and how to have victory in those seasons when we feel alone and are lonely. And we thank you for the passage this morning. Would you use it, Father, to bring affirmation and comfort and conviction and transformation into our life? And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord God, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. As I said, this is a psalm of David, and it's during an extremely lonely time in his life. Here's what's going on. Saul, King Saul, is chasing David. You know, that went on for a while, and King Saul is chasing David. David is running for his life, and really all he has with him is a band of mighty men. Now, these guys were incredible. They were loyal to him. They were friends to him. They would do just about anything he asked them to do. They were good guys, and they were a good team to have around you. But Saul has the national army, and Saul has all the resources of Israel to, to uh, put together to track Saul, uh, David down. But God is protecting David, and yet, even though God is protecting David for what he has down the road, don't forget that when you're feeling lonely, God's not finished. And he's in that cave, he's feeling alone, and, uh, and yet he acknowledges the fact that uh, though he has all of these people around him, he's still alone. It's a lonely thing uh, for him. And uh, he knows that Saul wants to take his life, and if he gets a chance, Saul will take his life. And so he's hiding here in this cave. David's hiding. Uh, a cave in Adullam is what we say. And though these people surround him, he is alone. And he's pouring out his heart to God. And from this passage, there are three things that I want you to look at with me. If you want victory over loneliness, and by the way, loneliness, again, I just want for the definition's sake, loneliness is not the absence of people. Loneliness is what's going on in here, all right? And so I want to show you three things. What to do if you want victory over loneliness, because all of us feel lonely at times. 
And so you want victory over loneliness. Number one, cry out in prayer. That's what we see. Do what David did. He cried out in prayer. Verse 15, with my voice, I mean, verse uh, one, and uh, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. He says it twice there. With my voice, I plead for mercy. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Now, it's not a cop-out. Listen, it's not a cop-out to say that in reality, the believer is never alone. It's true. It's true because uh, God has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So that's not a cop-out. You know, if somebody feels alone, it's not a cop-out to go and say, well, God be with you and God will be with you. The fact is that is true. God is, so don't minimize that. We'll come back to that a little later on. So God is with us and uh, uh, we know that and we need to affirm that in our hearts and we need to affirm that to him. God, I feel alone, but I know you are there. I know even when I don't feel you, I know you are there because you have promised me you would be there. But God also understands our need for earthly kinds of companionship and relationship. God knows that we need companionships. And so, by the way, that's one of the reasons God created marriage. Remember, man had God, all of God. I mean, they had this intimate kind of, uh, of knowledge of one another in the garden. But then God says, it is not good for man to what class? To be alone. Now, you could argue, yeah, but he had God. Who needs anything more? But God knew the way he had designed man that man needed companionship. And so God, the first institute, by the way, ever created by God was marriage. Now, today, what you hear out there is not what God said about marriage. But God understood man's need for companionship. But God also knew something else, and that is that we need comrades, we don't just need companionship, we need comrades. <clears throat> Solomon wrote and said that iron sharpens iron. He's talking and he, say, he says uh, uh, a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. Uh, he talks about those kinds of things, right? We need comradeship. Iron strengthens iron. So he created not only friendship and relationships, he created the church. And we call it fellowship. By the way, that's one of the reasons I thank God uh, for television. I thank God so many people uh, watch, and I, I'm so grateful to our television audience. Thank you for tuning in. I hear every week from people out in our community, and I get notes and cards from people literally all over the country. Thank you. And we're so glad that we can do this. But I want to tell you something, and you already know this if you're watching by live stream or television. It can be good, and God moves, and that's why we use it. But there's still nothing like the fellowship of the believer. And you just don't get that through a screen, do you? And uh, it doesn't mean you say, well, we just throw those. In. No, no, no. We continue those things because people's lives are changed through those things. But there's still something special, right? There's still something special about getting together with uh, God's people. When I was growing up, you know, after last week asking questions about who remembers what songs, I'm not going to do much of that anymore. But when I was growing up, there was a song that we sang, Aaron, that said this, I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with, Whew, I feel a lot better now that y'all... <laughs> I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Now, that's an old song. These days, that's an old song. It was a new song when we sang it, but now today it's an old song. But the meaning was powerful. Listen, there's something that happens. There's a dynamic. It's why God created the church. And so 
And, and, and so uh, we have relationships that are earthly, designed by God to encourage us and help us, and that's why we need them. Now, one word of caution. Though God has created us for earthly relationships as well as a relationship with him, the earthly relationship should never take the place of God. God knows that we need these relationships, and that's why we pray, cry out to God and pray because we need these things. Uh, they're important to victorious living. The circumstances, by the way, for your loneliness may differ from David's, though. There may be times when you're lonely and it has nothing to do with people chasing you or people cursing you or people uh, 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 trying to take you down. It may be nothing related to that, but there are these periods of loneliness. And like David, the first act you should engage in is prayer. The first thing, prayer shouldn't be your, your last resort, but your first response to loneliness. Don't end in prayer. Start with prayer when you're lonely. And note David's prayer is not a half-hearted appeal. It's a cry from a crushed soul calling out to God for help. And the intensity of David's prayer is expressed in two words in verse 1 of this chapter. The word plead and the word pour. The word plead, you know, various translations uh, perhaps will be translated differently, but he says, with my voice I plead for mercy. The word plead denotes Dave's, uh, David's earnest request to God to show him mercy. He said, I need, I'm lonely. I need your mercy. I need your favor during this difficult time. And the pleading to God is a picture of a person who is desperate for God's help. Now, I want to tell you this morning, pleading is pray. And if you are desperate, if you're lonely and you say, I feel desperate, plead, plead to him. Show the intensity of your desire, God, I'm lonely and I'm seeking you, I'm turning to you. The other word that he uses is the word poor. You see that? Poor. And that word expresses a, a literal spilling of ourselves out to God. It is the idea of a drink offering which was a, an offering often uh, given by the people of God on the altar of God, being poured out, a drink on it. I've got a bottle of water I brought up here, and I'm not going to open it up and pour it out on the altar over here. But what I would say is, here's the picture when he uses that word pour. It would be like me taking the cap off of this and dumping it and just letting it pour out until it was completely empty. And I, the picture would be that the bottle is you and me, and the contents are what we've poured out to God. We've poured ourselves out to him. And that's what David is saying. God, I'm empty. I'm so lonely. And I'm pouring myself out to you. He also uses the word complaint. I pour out my complaint. Now, the word complaint does not mean that David was complaining. God, I'm complaining to you. I'm lonely. I, I'm, I'm by myself. My life is in jeopardy. He, I'm complaining. No. What it means is that David was full of care and anxiety. He was full of all this anxiety about his plight and his situation, and he, he took it and he poured it out to God. God, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to lay it out there. That's how we would say it today. And I want to tell you something. If that's where you are and you're praying, you're pleading, and you're pouring, you're being honest, you're just pouring it out before God. God, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not trying to hide. I'm not trying to go. I'm just, listen, God can handle it. You can pour yourself out before God. He can handle it. So I ask you, are you feeling uh, lonely? Don't hold it back. David told God everything. 
If you want victory over loneliness, start there. Start by praying, by pleading and pouring out your circumstance to God. Because I want to tell you, after the cross, if anyone understands loneliness, it's Jesus. Amen? Number two, if you want victory over loneliness, choose the right perspective. In verses 3 through 5, he, we see David's perspective in the midst of this kind of uh, lonely season in the cave. He says, you know my way. And if you look on down in verse 5, he says, you are my refuge. Research says that one in five Americans are lonely. Furthermore, almost half of us feel that we, quote, always or sometimes feel alone. And more than half of Christians feel that no one really knows us well. Christians, almost half say nobody really knows us well. Well, look again at verse 4. Look at the last line of verse 4. What did David say? No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I mean, David's saying what the study says, that there are many people who say, I I don't think people know me well. I, I don't think people care. But he didn't stop there, thank goodness. And you see, how you choose to see your circumstance, your setting, your environment makes a major difference in how you find victory when you're feeling alone. And notice that even in David's lonely state, he kept perspective. And that perspective wasn't based on his feelings. It was based on his knowledge of God. And so what he did is he said, no man cares for my soul. He didn't say, God, you don't care for my soul, but he said, no man cares for my soul. He separated. You see his perspective. I know the world uh, is a lonely place. They don't care for my soul. They don't really care for me. There's no, remember what I talked about on the right hand? He said, there's nobody on the right side that will affirm me, support me, that will be a refuge to me. And then he makes the statement, look, in verse five. So I cry to you, that's prayer. And I say, you are my refuge. No man cares. There's no refuge over there on the right for me. No man cares for my soul, but you are my refuge. That's perspective. And he chose and he kept in the midst of those feelings of alone, being alone, he kept his perspective right. You see, he kept his perspective right because he knew two things. And you and I must remember that when we feel alone or are isolated or we're hurting, you need to remember these two things. First, that God knows your pain. Because being alone can be painful. And God knows your pain. Notice what what David says in verse 3. When my spirit faints within me. That's emotional. When my spirit faints within me. He's alone. He's in a cave. Saul's trying to take his life. He's discouraged. Loneliness does that, doesn't it? Even if there are people around you. And he says, when my spirit faints within me, God is not ignorant to your pain. If loneliness is painful to you, don't lose perspective. You see, what the devil will try to do is to get you to focus on your feelings instead of focusing on God. The devil start, uh, he'll, he'll try to convince you that the, how you feel is reality. But what David is saying, though no man cares for my soul, though my, my spirit faints inside of me, God is my refuge. Perspective. Perspective. 
So when I feel alone and there's no one there in my uh, corner, I, I remember God is. Who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, nothing. Go read it in Romans chapter 8. And so uh, he keeps his perspective right. God knows your pain. And then I would tell you, God not only knows your pain, God knows your path. Did you notice what he says there? You know my way. You know my way. God knows your pain, but he knows your path too. God's not ignorant of your path. And by the way, never think that the path of your loneliness is beyond God's capacity to use or intervene. God knows your path. In fact, let me just take it a step further. God knows more about your path than you know about your path. The path you're walking, God is already there. See, when you, when you get here, you'll find out, if you'll keep your eyes on him, that he was already there. And the next place, and the next place. And, because God knows your path. You say, it's a lonely path. Well, God's already walked it. God's already there. The place that you think is the loneliest of places, God is already there. The psalm that said, where can I go and hide from you? If I go to the highest hill, you are there. If I go to the lowest depths, you are there. There's nowhere that I can go, God, that you are not there. God knows your path. God knows your pain. And he's not ignorant to either of those. And David took the perspective that though no man cares for my soul, God does. And there's protection in him, and there's purpose even in the lonely season. You see, loneliness can make you believe that because others don't seem to care, that God must not care. But God cares. He is the refuge. And by the way, your loneliness is a season. It's not forever. Loneliness doesn't last forever. And did you notice he say, the, the statement, he says, I say do you notice that? I say, I will say. That's a confession of his perspective, his perspective of God, even in the lonely cave. I want to ask you something. When you feel alone, what is your confession? David spoke it there. You are, I say, you are my refuge. He's saying, but wait a minute. No man, no man is with me. No man cares. Uh, nobody is in my corner. There's nobody on my right. There's no earthly refuge. And then he says, but you are my refuge. You are my refuge. Do you all ever talk to yourself? I thought so. You know what David's doing? He's having self-talk. By the way, go read Psalm 42 and you see him talking to himself. He is affirming the truth of God. What he's doing is repeating what he knows to be true. I want to tell you, when you're in the lonely place, you're in the cave, whatever it may be, repeat the truth. You are my refuge. They're not my refuge. They won't be with me, but you are with me. You are my refuge. It's a confession. Do you see what he's doing? He's speaking the truth. And sometimes there's a, one of my favorite books of all time. Every Christian ought to read it. It's a book by William Backus named Telling Yourself the Truth. And it's about what you choose to believe. Based on what God has said, by the way. Telling your, That's what David's doing. He's telling himself the truth. He's reminding himself, no man cares for my soul, but you are my refuge. You are my refuge. You are my refuge. You are my refuge. You will never leave me. You are there. They're not there. I don't feel them there. This is how I feel alone, but you are there. You are with me. You are with me. Do you get it? 
It's his confession. Don't stop when you're feeling lonely. Don't stop at nobody cares. David didn't stop there. That's when he went on to say, but I cry to you because you are my refuge. You see, your perspective when you are alone will largely determine whether you have victory over loneliness or not. Your perspective is important. Now, that perspective, look, that perspective comes from here. It's based in truth. Does that make sense? It's not, well, I, got to, I changed my perspective because I got together with some of my buddies and they had this, uh, this uh, thought and this thought and this thought and this thought. Listen, no man cares for your soul, but God does. So find out what God says about your soul. Find out what God says for you to call out and cry out and confess. Get your perspective right. So to have victory over loneliness, cry out in prayer. Secondly, choose the right perspective on your circumstance or the setting of loneliness or feelings of being alone. And then last, number three, claim God's promises. Claims, claim God's promises. Do, you, do, do y'all see? David did it. Did you, you, you see where David claimed the promise of God? Look at the last part of verse 7. The righteous will surround me. Look at this. For you will deal bountifully with me. David claimed he took hold of the promise of God. God, you're, you're going to deal bountifully with me. He claimed the truth that God would do good for him. One writer put it this way. Listen to how he said it. Even when the believer is alone, the truth is that he's never alone. And although he may live by himself, he's never unaccompanied. Though isolated, the Lord is always with him. He may be in a lonely place, removed from family and friends, but he's never isolated from God. The Lord is always with the believer. This truth has been a source of immeasurable comfort down through the centuries for all Christians who have found themselves in lonely places. No matter what the predicament is in which a believer finds themselves, God is always with them to strengthen them. A Christian may be separated from friends, forsaken by a spouse, released from a job, cut from a team, or living by themselves, but in spite of all of this, they are never alone. The Lord is always with them. That's precisely where David found himself when he wrote Psalm 142. He found himself lonely, but not alone. Lonely, but not alone. And like David, you and I have the promises of God and the track record of God we can rely on to remind us that even in the season of being alone or feeling alone, it will not last forever. And listen, it will not last forever. It will not last forever because one day, if it lasts through the rest of this life, it's not going to last in the kingdom of God. Hello? This is short term. This is the season. And David understood that. It will not. And and so he could claim the promise of God. I want to tell you this morning that if you are lonely today, Take hold of the promises of God. You say, what promises of God? Well, let me give you just a few of them, like Psalm 68.6 that says, God places the lonely in families. God places the lonely in families. Or how about Hebrews 13.5? Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Actually, 
That's a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. And there are several places where that statement is made. That's a promise to hold on to when you feel lonely. Or how about Matthew 28, 20, the words of Christ himself. He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. He knew his disciples were about to enter a period of loneliness and isolation that they'd never experienced before. And you know what he said before he left them? He said, I'm with you to the end of the age. Or how about Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Claim that. Hold that when you're feeling lonely. Or hold on to 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. No man cares for my soul, but he cares for your soul. That's what Peter said. That's what David said. So if you're alone, and don't miss this because I'm almost finished, all right? But don't miss this. If you are alone today or you're battling with loneliness, and if you're not, you will. Hello? I mean, if I took a poll in here, I can't imagine that 98% of you wouldn't say, yes, I battle with loneliness at times or feeling alone or I have been there. So if you're alone, remember that your loneliness is actually an opportunity for God to do something great. See your loneliness as a season. See your loneliness as God developing and cultivating you and, and producing a new kind of dependence on him. But also recognize in the seasons of loneliness, God may be getting ready to do something great with you or through you. Jacob was alone when he wrestled with the angel. You remember the story? To get the blessing of God. All night alone. Moses. Moses went on the mountain alone. And it would be said of him that Moses began to speak to God as a friend speaks to a friend. In Gethsemane. Alone. Jesus entered the garden with some people, right, some disciples, but they didn't go on. They finally camped out and went to sleep, and Jesus went on, and there he prayed. And by the way, alone, alone, he prayed alone. He even said to them, couldn't you just help me? Couldn't you be with me? Just watch and pray with me for just an hour, and they couldn't. Jesus went on alone, and alone he prayed, and because he did, God brought about our redemption. Amen? It was done in uh, times of alone, uh, being alone. And the Bible says that Jesus would arise a great uh, uh, a time before a sunup, and he would go and he would be alone with God. Being alone isn't all bad. It's not all bad. Joseph, you remember Joseph? You know what happened to him? He was thrown in the pit alone. And later he was put into prison alone. But it was through the pit and the prison that God was working and Joseph kept his perspective right. 
He continued to pursue God, and guess what? Guess what? He ended up in the palace, and not only ended up in the palace, he ended up saving his whole family and the nation of Israel. He fed them, and even the Egyptians, all of that, because in, uh, in, in his aloneness, he never quit pursuing God. Uh, aloneness and loneliness is a time that you and I can see God do something great. And then there is John. Remember John? John, one of the disciples, ended up on an obscure island all by himself. You know why he ended up there by himself? You know why? They couldn't kill him. They tried. They tried. They tried to boil him alive in a, in a vat of, of oil, and he wouldn't burn up. And finally, they said, what are we going to do with this guy? And they said, put him on this island, this Alcatraz put him there. And it was there alone, all by himself, that John received the revelation. Never underestimate your season of loneliness. The season of loneliness may be God's great uh, uh, move in your life. The season of loneliness may be your greatest opportunity to experience God in ways you've never experienced Him before. See it as an opportunity. So how do you have victory over loneliness? You cry out in prayer. You choose the right perspective. And then you claim and you hold on to the promises of God. Chip Ingram quotes uh, Robert Putnam's book, Bowling Alone. And in that book, Putnam makes the case that loneliness is America's new epidemic. And accordingly, he writes, and I quote, people are searching for a place to belong. In the 1970s, it wasn't uncommon for someone to leave a job that paid well and go off into the woods in order to find themselves. The issue of the existential 60s and 70s was one of identity. You know, who am I? Why am I here? But the issue of the 21st century that we're living in appears to be not who am I or why am I here, but where do I belong Belonging is a God-given human need. We all need and want the security of belonging to a family, belonging to a group, belonging to a team, belonging with people who need us just like we need them in a healthy and kind of productive way. Belonging is a part of our, our DNA. And he goes on to say the fragmentation of the family and the rapid growth in technology have made people more mobile and more isolated than ever before. The aching need to belong is at an all-time high. I think he's exactly right. The quest to belong is the quest, really, to fill the void of our souls, and ultimately, no human can fill that void. That's why Pascal, the great philosopher and mathematician, uh, brilliant, said this. He says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Did you get that? There is this vacuum in all of us. Our soul, it is empty. It's lonely. That's another way of saying it. it's just lonely. And the only thing that can fill it is God because it is designed for God. That's the only solution, ultimately, to the loneliness of the soul. And that's why the work that Jesus did on the cross is so important. 
Because what Jesus did on the cross made a way to feel the loneliness, to feel the emptiness and the longing of the soul. It was Jesus who has created the way for all humanity to belong, and particularly to belong to God and to have their souls filled. And you know what John said? John says, but as to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You know what he was saying to all of those who received him, who believed in his name? To them he gave the right to belong to God. I remember when COVID first struck a couple of years ago, and I remember we had a period here for, I don't know, Chuck, what was about six weeks where I preached in an empty building. You were tuned in by uh, internet and television, and I preached in an empty uh, building. And I remember the strange feeling it was, was trying to looking at chairs that had no people in it. I even made a few staff members come and sit in here while I preached because they needed to be saved. But I can remember that feeling, and it felt lonely. I want to tell you it felt lonely. I've never experienced anything like it in my ministry. And I would pray, God, you give me the same anointing that you would give me if the place were packed. And you, we would pray, Lord, anoint the, 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 the screens and the ears of the people that will be hearing your word. But it was empty people. And it was lonely feeling. And I was, I was pouring my heart out to God one morning. God, how long will this go on? How long, God, do I stand? And I know preachers all over America, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. But how long, God? How long? And the Lord whispered something to me. He whispered to my heart. He said, Ray, I'll be there. And if I fill the house, the house is full. And I said, God, may the train of your robe fill the temple. And I walked back in in the weeks that would follow, and it was still empty. And I still wanted you sitting out there, but I had a different perspective. Because I thought, God, you're here. And if you're here, the house is full. I tell you that in closing to say, only God can fill what man empties. And if you're lonely, you need to understand, yes, God wants you to have earthly relationships. Those are important. That's why he created them. That's why the church exists. All of those things, that is so true. But friend, if you don't start by having your soul filled with God, Those other relationships will eventually cause you to say, nobody really cares for my soul. Only God. I want to ask you this morning in closing, have you done that? Have you done that? Have you allowed God to fill your soul? No man, no woman, no friend, no colleague, no relationship apart from God can resolve the loneliness of the soul. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? No one looking around. 
Maybe in this place, maybe by live stream or television today, you need to call on him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, God will hear that. You won't be alone. He will hear that. And I want to invite you to do that this morning. You can, in your heart, cry out to him, O Lord, my soul is alone. Come and fill it. I know I'm a sinner, but I know that Jesus died on the cross alone, so I wouldn't have to be. And I invite you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and be my Savior. Maybe in this place today, you've been battling with a season of loneliness. It won't last forever. But make sure you cry out to God. Make sure you get your perspective right. And make sure you cling to the promises of God. And maybe this morning that's you watching or in this live audience, and you just need to say to God this morning, God, I'm sorry because I've got my eyes on others. I've expected others to do for me what only you can do for me. Help me to get my perspective right. To realize that, God, this season may be an opportunity for you to do something great. It is an opportunity for you to grow me, to develop me, to use me, to show me that I can always depend on you. Now, Lord, remind me when I feel alone that you are there. And, Father, I pray for all of those who are are struggling, who are bound up in loneliness, that you would bind the enemy, prevent him from causing them to believe that though others may not seem to care, you, you do. Prevent him from believe, uh, causing them to believe that, God, you're not there. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to cling to the truth of who you are in the season of loneliness. Father, in these moments of invitation before we're gone today, would you move in this place? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? It's our invitation time. Our staff will be on these aisles. I'll be here in the front, and I want to invite you to slip out from the balcony or this ground floor. There's a decision for you to make. Maybe you called on the Lord today to be your Savior, to come and save your soul, would you slip out, come to one of us, and tell us about that? You may be here this morning, and you say, I've done that. Do you know what I need? I need a family. You know, one of the, one of the things that God created for, for us to, to have victory over loneliness is the family of God. Maybe you need to come and say, I want to join this family of believers. People do it every week. We'd love to have you. Would you slip out in just a moment? And you come and become a part of this family. Or then maybe you just want to talk with God. Use this altar. Slip out. Come. Kneel before him. Cry out to him. Maybe for someone else. Maybe for some decision that you have to make. But come and bend your knee before God Almighty who is here and who hears. As a choir and Aaron lead us, you slip out right now. You come on.